Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you today. We're going to be talking about how to have life at its best. You know something? Uh, we Last month, we started this thing. We're talking about the truth about Job. And uh, the, reason we're, the reason we're approaching this is because, you know, people's faith, their trust for God is undermined by statements in Job and in other books of the Bible that are lifted out of context. And, uh, you know, the Bible is an absolutely accurate historical book. And uh, everything that it says that happened historically actually happened. But not everything that happened historically actually was God-inspired. And in the book of Job, we, we've already talked about this. And if you haven't seen last month's videos, be sure and go back and watch them. I'm telling you what, they will, they will be a blessing to you. They'll help you overcome some of the contradictions that you, that you have about God and some of the confusing statements that people have, have said about God that make you have trouble trusting Him. But one of the things that we pointed out is this. Job rambles for over 30 chapters uh, trying to defend himself against his wife and his friends who are condemning him and who are saying, obviously God is against you. As a matter of fact, his wife said, look, you're not as righteous as you, as you act like. You just need to go ahead and curse God and die. Man, that's, kinda, that's, that's what you'd like to hear from your wife when you're really already going through the whole battle of your life. And it really sounds like she was blaming him for what happened to their kids and what happened to their wealth and all that sort of thing. So, <clears throat> but what's interesting is Job and his friends ramble for over 30 chapters, and when God begins to speak, he rebukes and corrects Job for all these statements that he made. The amazing thing is you hear people quoting the incorrect statements that Job made um, as if they are God-inspired and as if they are theologically sound. But you never hear anybody go to the book of Job and quote what God said and even what Job said in his repentance whenever he came to his senses and said, man, obviously, obviously I was confused. You see, I want you to understand something. Everything with God is faith. Now, I'm not talking about the faith where I'm working something up to get God to do something. I'm talking about faith, trusting who God is. Well, something you have to realize, you can't trust the person you don't know. And if you do know them, you can only trust them if you see that they have a character, a good character. But I'll tell you this, you can only trust someone unconditionally when you know they love you unconditionally and they're not going to change. And the problem is with what religion has told us for centuries, for millennia, it's impossible to trust the God that religion tells you, loves you, but he'll kill you. Uh, he'll heal you, but he'll make you sick sometimes to teach you something. Uh, he, 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 you know, he, he wants to bless you, but he wants to keep you poor. 
You know something? We have so many contradictions in our concepts about God. But I tell you what, this is what this is. This is why I always say I want to help you have life at its best, because when you can trust God and share in and enter into all that He has for you, I've got news for you. Life gets easier and easier and better and better. Today I'm going to talk to you about something that you probably never ever heard a sermon about, called the era of Balaam. Now, Balaam was an Old Testament prophet. And he was a for real prophet that God used. But, uh, but Balaam, uh, he was not of the people of God. In other words, he was a man off to himself. And, um, and so, you know, the Bible points that out, which indicates that probably he got off into his own ways and got detached from the people of God and lost his connection to the family of God. And that, you know, that happens to believers today that, that, that end up very, very angry and very bitter about whatever. And before long, they're alienated from anybody that can recover them, that can help them keep on track. And so the children of Israel... And this is in the book of Numbers. The children of Israel, they had grown really, really powerful. And the people in the land of Canaan had, had really come to fear the children of Israel because, because they were so powerful. And, and really because uh, when they did walk with God, they experienced incredible victories. They conquered their enemies. And so, and so they um, go into the land of Peor, I believe it is. And, and they are getting uncomfortably close to uh, the king, Balak, who, uh, who summons Balaam because everybody knew Balaam was a prophet of God. And he said, look, I need for you to come and help me because these people, these powerful people, they're, they're settling right next door to me and, and they, might, they might overthrow my nation and I need some way to stop them. And so Balaam, and I'm not going to go into the whole story. It's a very colorful story, very entertaining and very, uh, really some insights in here. You know, Balaam is the one whose donkey spoke to him and, uh, and protected him from the angel really destroying him for what he was about to do. So Balaam goes to Balak and, uh, and Balak offers to pay him if he will... Uh, pronounce a curse on the children of God. And now, let, let me tell you, the Bible mentions this. The Bible mentions the way of Balaam, and then it mentions the era of Balaam. And these are two different things. The way of Balaam was really to serve God for profit, to use your gifts to create profit for yourself. Um, but the era of Balaam and the way of Balaam are two separate things. And so <clears throat> Balaam um, goes and he's, he's ready to try to find some kind of way to, to uh, actually um, defeat the Israelites so he can, so he can get paid from, from this king. And so basically God rebuked Balaam and pointed out that God would not curse what he had blessed. Now, so Balaam's like, okay, God won't curse what he is blessed, so maybe we can find a way to get the people to turn their backs on God. Now, I want you to understand something. Most of what, when people get into sin, when people do destructive things, and 
and, and then tragedy comes into their life. Religion always tell you that is God punishing those people for what they have done. But really, in this, in this situation uh, with Balaam, you know, we discover, no, God will not curse what he has blessed. And, um, and so what happens is when people turn their backs on God, when, when, when people uh, get off into these things that harden their heart, and when they begin to live in the consequences of their actions, because remember, sin always brings death. Now, when the Bible tells us that Jesus delivered us from the law of sin and death, you have to realize that doesn't mean that sin no longer brings about death. It means we are delivered from the powers of sin uh, uh, because we are delivered from sin. And, and sin has no power over us, but yet if we choose to sin, it can still destroy us. It's not God destroying us. And, and you know, people say, well, well, that doesn't even make sense. Why does God let that happen? You don't, you don't understand. You have a free will. And it's just like if you climb up on top of the house and you say, you know what? I'm going to jump off the top of this house because God is good. It's not going to hurt me when I land on my head on the concrete. Well, you know what? It's probably going to hurt you. Probably going to hurt you real bad. That's the consequences of the choice that you made. But what happens is instead of people saying, oh, these are the consequences, they say, oh, look, God's doing this to me. God's a bad God. You know, he, he, he's going to beat you up if you don't do everything right. So, so, what, so Balaam came up with this plan and said, what we'll do is we will send women in because, because number one, they are not supposed to intermarry with other nations. And the reason for that was because God knew if they intermarried with other nations, number one, that these women would draw their hearts away from the true God. Number two, these other nations were plagued with venereal disease because in their ritualism, the worshiping of their pagan gods, sex was always a part of it. You know, people don't realize this, but, but uh, uh, the worship of Jehovah was the first religion in the world that did not have sex incorporated into it. Uh, matter of fact, people just don't realize how many incredible benefits were brought to us and how many freedoms were brought to us because of the influence of the commandments of God that he gave to Israel about how to have a great nation. And, and we, we, we could spend a whole program just, talk, actually a whole month of programs just talking about that, but we don't have time. So, so the idea is if we can get, him, if we can get them to sin, then they'll turn their backs on God, and then, then God will have to give them up. So keep that in mind. God says he will not bless or will not curse what he has blessed. Now let's jump to the book of Job now. In Job, the first chapter, the sixth verse, it says, Now there was a day when the sons of God presented themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. So the sons of God here is referring to other angelic beings. There are many times that angels are referred to as sons of God. And so Satan, as a fallen angel, at this point in time, was able to appear before God. Now, he can appear before God now, and we'll go into that in another session, but he could then, and I'll explain to you why he can't appear before God now, and why you don't have to be afraid of him, and why and why you can be sure that God has never heard lies and accusations against you. Now listen to this. And the Lord said to Satan, from where did you come? So uh, he is challenging uh, Satan. Now remember, Satan 
is the accuser and he's the accuser of the brethren. And, you know, when he had access to God, he would attempt to accuse believers uh, to God. Now, he you know, he is the accuser in that if we believe his doctrines, we will accuse ourselves. So, uh, so there's Satan. There he is, like, like I say, in, in, the, in the presence of God, working what has always been his, um, his, his tactic, and that is to accuse and to condemn, to, to beat down and uh, undermine people's confidence in themselves and God. So Satan answered the Lord, well, here's where I've been. I've been going to and fro on the earth and walking back and forth on it. So Satan actually offers an evasive answer, which is kind of goofy considering that he, he knows that God knows all things. And then in, in verse 8, then the Lord said unto him, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? Now, this is the place where religion loses its mind and, uh, and jumps off the rails. Uh, religion will tell you this is where God kind of challenges Satan uh, to a battle and uses Job as a pawn. Well, I want to tell you that kind of interpretation of Scripture comes directly out of paganism. It comes straight out of Greek mythology where the gods, uh, they were sovereign, they were in control, and they always warred against one another, and they used the human race as pawns uh, in their game of chess that they played in their battles against one another. That is not what's happening here. That is not what the original language indicates. And uh, it, it's a travesty that the translators uh, uh, of the King James Version of the Bible and of other versions have actually translated this way. Um, so, have you considered my servant? Well, this word considered could have and should have been translated have you set your heart on Job? He's not saying, hey, look at Job. Listen, you, know, you want to have a little contest here? Have you considered him? Because, because you know what? He's godly. We'll, we'll, we'll use him. We'll put him to the test. No. God is challenging Satan, saying, questioning him, have you set your heart on him? And then God declares Job's righteousness. This is not God using Job as some type of sick challenge to God. Now, Job reverts to, and, and let, me, uh, let me say this. Satan's tactics never change. He's not that smart. If he was that smart, he never would have tried to rebel against God. If he was that smart, he would not have continued his rebellion here on planet Earth. If he was that smart, he'd get a new tactic. But, but he is driven by his nature, just like God is driven by his nature. God is driven by the fact that he is love more than he is anything else. God has value for mankind. God considers mankind precious, holds us in high regard. That love is his nature. Uh, with Satan, he is a liar. He has to oppose everything that God stands for. You know, if you want to understand what's going on in the world today, I, I, you know, I don't want to jump too far political on this, but, but I do want to say this. You know, how is it that the establishment always, 
always, always gets it wrong. You know, I was reading last night because many of you know, you know, I am a health practitioner and have been for years. So I was, I was reading a, a book about health last night and, and both George Bush and Barack Obama and both of whom are elitists. Now I know those of you who love Barack Obama, you're going to get mad because I'm saying this. Those of you who love George Bush, you're going to get mad because I'm saying this, but they were both elitists. They were both uh, for big government. They are actually both for the new world order, for one world government. And what's really interesting is, is they both work together to change the laws, allowing higher levels of radiation in our water supply and in our soil. So, so this means if there's a meltdown at a nuclear plant or uh, uh, the degree of spillage that can go into our water supply, now they have said, oh, you know what? We're gonna, we're gonna change what is acceptable. And the crazy thing is the EPA that's supposed to be a pr protecting us, the, the EPA jumped right in there and talked about what a good thing that this was, what a great safety measure this was. Well, as a result of, allow of allowing higher radiation in our water and our soil, uh, the stats on how many people are going to die of cancer or get cancer and then die have changed. Because up until then, it was, it was uh, calculated that because of this, one in 10,000 people would get cancer over a specific period of time. Now, because of this change, get ready for it, one and 23 people will get cancer. Why would any human being, why would any department come out and say, you know what, we're gonna do this great thing for the country. We're gonna change it to where instead of one in 10,000 people dying from cancer for overexposure to radiation, we're gonna make it where one in 23 people get cancer and die from radiation. Woohoo! aren't we great? Let me tell you something. Uh, those things don't happen unless somebody's making money or gaining power off of it. All of the corrupt laws that are passed in any nation are passed because somebody makes money or somebody gets power. Is it coincidental that for people, people who are driven by greed, people who are driven by power, people who are driven by humanistic, socialistic uh, uh, philosophies, is it any, is it a coincidence that they always directly oppose what God stands for? God loves the human race. God created the universe. And I tell you, everything in our galaxy, everything in every other galaxy, every planet, everything works to create a perfect environment on planet Earth to sustain our physical life. Why is it then that so many things happen, so many laws get passed, so, you know, so many people who are making money off of misery. <clears throat> why is it that they have no value for human life? I'll tell you why. It's because if you're either harmonizing with God's truth or you're harmonizing with the devil's lies, and it's really just that simple, and you're going to do one or the other based on uh, based on your character, based on your nature, and based on what you consider to be a win, financial win, gaining political power, all that kind of stuff, or serving mankind and serving God. Satan always opposes what God values. And you know what Satan hates most? 
What Satan hates most is this. And this is, now, this is my opinion. I base it on Scripture, but it's still my opinion. I believe that the war against the human race that has been perpetuated by Lucifer has two driving factors. Number one, Lucifer could not overthrow God. And so the only thing he can do is hurt God, try to hurt God, try to break his heart. And the main way to break God's heart is to destroy that which God loves most, which is the human race. I, I, I'm telling you, that's, that's the whole story right there. Uh, now, let me say this. Some people say, well, why did God cast Satan to planet Earth? Well, the, he, he just he cast him out of heaven. But here's the thing. He, he had no authority here. People say Satan has authority. Satan doesn't have authority. He's never had authority. And so the real truth is he could do no harm here beyond mankind's willingness to buy into the lies that he spreads and in turn consider God a liar. So Satan does exactly what he always does here. He tries to entice man to believe that he could have this, this better life if he would commit immorality and it doesn't go that way. So in verse 9, it says, So Satan answered the Lord and said, Well, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You've blessed the works of his hands, and his possessions have increased. But now you stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. So Satan's accusation is this. Job simply serves God because of all the benefits. Now, God could not be enticed to go into a wager with the devil because the Bible says in the book of James that God cannot be tempted. If God was drawn into a wager because of Satan's accusation, then this would mean he, had been, he would succumb to temptation, which is an impossibility. Satan is seeking to move God against Job, and it's not going to happen. <clears throat> Numbers 22, 12 is, is the scripture I, I mentioned earlier where God said to Balaam, you shall not go with him. This is, this is when he was going with uh, Balak's servants to curse the children of Israel. He said, you shall not curse the people for they are blessed. God did not succumb to temptation. He did not respond to temptations or, or to, to Satan's temptation or to Satan's enticement. Now, verse 12 then is probably uh, the next most misquoted, taken out of context, twisted scripture to create accusations against God in the whole Bible. Verse 12, and the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power, only do not lay a hand on him. Now, it's, it's really interesting. This word behold um, is, is really an exclamatory statement that means nothing more than look. look. Look at that. Look and see something that already exists. It's kind of funny because, I mean, you know, if you look this up in uh, any Hebrew dictionary, you'll understand it's, a, it's an exclamatory statement. And yes, it means look. And I've had people, I've had people write me when I teach about this and just say, oh, oh no, that, that's not what it means. It, it, just means. it just means something else. Well, no, it means what the word means by definition. God was not saying, okay, I take the wager. I'm giving 
every, I'm giving Job over to you and you see if you can beat him down and, let's, and, and take everything away from him and let's see if he really turns his back on me. No, remember, if God had succumbed to temptation, then God would be a liar because he himself says he can't be tempted. If God could be tempted, then the world, all that exists would be unstable at all times. And you know what? That is absolutely not the case. God is saying to Satan, basically, he, Job, has already put himself in your power. And we're going to look at that next week. We're going to look at how did Job put himself in Satan's hand? How did he create this environment where he was able to be attacked? But here's the thing. Remember when, when Satan came back and Satan had set his heart on Job to destroy him. And you, and you, see, you see all this play out all Satan really wanted was, was to destroy God's testimony. Let Job, a righteous man, let him be destroyed and let his family and friends believe that God is the one who caused it. I mean, even his wife said, you're not as righteous as you pretend to be. You just need to curse God and die because you, you know all this is your fault. And you know God is doing this to you because you've got some secret sin. I'm, I'm kind of ad-libbing, you know, that last part. See, Job did what we did. The Bible says that the foolishness of a man corrupts or perverts his way, and then in his heart he blames God. Job, even though he was righteous, even though he was a good man, he was not strategic about how he managed his life and his beliefs and mainly his fears. And next week we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about how you can avoid ever having a Job experience. I don't know about you. I don't, I don't want a Job experience. And so, but here's the thing you have to, you have to grasp before, before we leave this part of this today. Even though Job had put his, uh, himself under Satan's power, God said, but I still will not let you touch him personally. In other words, God acknowledges, yeah, you know, you've already, he, he's already seduced. He's already put himself in these, th in, in your power, but I'm telling you, I'm not going to let you kill him. God defended Job as far as he could defend him. He protected him as far as he could protect him. He did everything that he could to make sure that Job uh, would survive. And, uh, and, and you're going to discover how Job got himself into this situation, but even more importantly, you're going to discover, number one, how you can prevent ever being in this type of situation. But number two, you're going to discover how Job delivered himself from the jaws of death. Listen, let me just mention a couple of things. Uh, you know, for years, we've had trouble getting stuff shipped into Canada and into some other countries. And honestly, for years, we've had problems with our shipping rates being really high. When you order stuff through our store, I want you to know we've got new deals worked out. And I'm telling you, our shipping rates are phenomenal. For, so for those of you who have wanted to order things and it's been too costly, the shipping has been too high, we have solved these problems. And I'm telling you this because, you know, we've got an incredible series that goes along with this. It's called The Truth About Joe. It's got six CDs and two 
bonus messages that you can download that I just wanted to add to this series because of the benefit that I thought that they would actually bring to your life. So be sure and check this out if you're wanting to go deeper into this. And also, I know this is the 4th of July, but now remember, uh, July the 19th, 20th, and 21st, we have World Changer Weekend. If you haven't registered, be sure and go online, we're, uh, impactministries.com, and register if you plan to attend. It's going to be an incredible weekend. We're going to be talking about looking beyond the veil so that we can see the true character and nature of God. I'm going to have my Hebrew teacher, Kaim Bentori, here, and he and I are going to be sharing sessions. And, man, we are going to, we're going to take apart the, the words that in the Bible, many of which were deliberately mistranslated in order to shape the way believers uh, thought about God and gave control to religious and political leaders rather than letting people surrender their lives to God and, and serve Him. I'm telling you, it's going to open your eyes so that you can see God as He really is. Listen, I'll talk to you next week. Don't miss it. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.